Hello, campaign listeners. Thank you for joining us today for this special edition podcast entitled Finding a Better Way to Grow in a Downturn, which we are hosting in partnership with Wavemaker. I'm Jessica Haygate, Technology Editor of Campaign US. I'll be chairing today's discussion, but we'll go into detail about how brands can adapt to falling consumer sentiment as concerns about rising inflation, cost of living, and the Ukraine war escalate. Escalate. These swirling challenges have caused consumer confidence to fall to levels lower than the 2008 financial crash. This is leading brands in the U.S. to divest in certain channels as they focus on short-term sales, but research indicates this could hamper long-term profitability. Thankfully, Wavemaker has pulled together some tips derived from research conducted in the U.S. that breaks down how brands can shift strategies to meet consumer needs during an economic downturn while hopefully delivering profitable growth. This podcast and Wavemaker's research is part of a global series discussing the shape the global economic downturn is taking in different regions of the world and how brands can adapt. I'll be joined today by Melissa Martin, Vice President of Marketing at Church & Dwight, as well as two Wavemaker US executives, Chief Strategy Officer Dennis Potgraven and Group Strategy Director Belinda Moon. I'm going to let my panelists briefly introduce how they've dealt with economic downturns in the past and why they're relevant to this topic. Over to you, Melissa. Thank you, Jessica. As Jessica mentioned, I am the VP of Marketing at Church and Dwight, and Church and Dwight has a mixed portfolio of premium and value brands. So we can go back to the 2008-2009 recession to or even the pandemic of COVID, and we have been able to deploy strategies to support businesses that actually are able to accelerate growth during either the economic downturn or the pandemic. So we're fortunate with this balanced approach and for those brands that we can accelerate growth during these times, we do so more with a balanced funnel approach. So we're working on both upper and lower funnel activity sets to grow actual share during these challenging times. Wonderful, Dennis. Hi, everyone. I'm Dennis Potgraven, uh, leading the strategy practice at Wavemaker as CSO. The last time, let's say 2008, 2009, I was still on client side. I used to work for CPG brands for quite a long time before I hopped over to the agency side. But I think the learnings from them are totally different from now. And that's also why we wanted to deep dive more into uh, consumer behavior now because you see so many economic decline differences than the last time's recession and also consumers with different consumer behavior. So we really wanted to deep dive in that. And that's why I'm happy to join this podcast with our learnings today as well. Awesome. And last but not least, Belinda. Yeah. Well, so I had the honor of working with Dennis and our brilliant team, our insights team at Wavemaker to help co-author this latest thought leadership piece we released. And as a strategy expert, like our jobs are to help our clients navigate through uncertainty. Obviously, this being a big one. And a lot of our clients feel overwhelmed. It feels complex. It feels like sometimes the solutions out there are not necessarily tailored to them. So they're trying to navigate what is right for their business. 
but the actual solutions themselves don't have to be that complex. And so I'm excited to talk a lot about that today um, because it can be really applied to many different types of businesses. We've seen with great evidence, some of the themes being true across categories. And so we're happy to be on this podcast today to share some of the learnings. Wonderful. Well, Dennis is going to give us a brief tease of some of the key findings from uh, Wavemaker US's research, and then we'll take a deep dive. So over to you, Dennis, for some of those top lines. Yeah, I'd love to, because we also did this research with different sources or taking into account different sources for the research, because we worked obviously with a lot of uh, WPP tools and, and syndicated research as well. We did bespoke consumer research, which was affected in the end of August, the beginning of September, so very recent. And we also used uh, data from our sister company, Game Theory, who has with their MMM uh, data a very big pool of different kind of categories. So we were able to look at a broader, yeah, a broader pool of clients and categories. But to give a little bit more about the context first, I think what is important to take into account that there is still growth, but growth is very much decreasing. And that's an opportunity, I think, that we should not lose an eye on because there's still some growth that we can go after. But looking at the research and looking at um, how consumers are reacting to this economic decline is that we see that the sentiment has been falling tremendously because we see even that when you are kind of comparing the development of inflation and the falling of consumer sentiment, consumer sentiment is falling much faster than inflation has been increased over the last few months. And it's not only about inflation. Inflation obviously is the biggest driver, but we see also other aspects and developments in the world like the Russian invasion uh, in the Ukraine, but also daily supply chain issues that consumers see as a burden and that drives the fall of their confidence. And we see even that this confidence is even lower, and we spoke about the 2008 recession before, that it's even lower than in 2008. And that's not only on consumer side. We also see that CFOs really think that this is not going to be a short-term economic decline, but at least it will take 12 months also after, uh, let's say, the stabilization to fully recover from what's happening now. So how are consumers really reacting? I already spoke about the lower confidence, and you see that back in cutting costs, but consumers are very much selective. So we see that they are obviously cutting down in non-essentials, but, and speaking about the opportunities again, they are only trading down in, let's say, the essentials, but also in daily indulgence. There are still a lot of categories where consumers like to spend their money. They still have money. They have been saving during the pandemic. So there is still a lot of uh, cash, I would say, at uh, consumers as well, where they want to spend their money on. But the consumer behavior that we just mentioned of consumers cutting and trading down is going to be a long, let's say, a longer game because we see that consumers who have switched to other brands or have switched to other products think that they are kind of fitting well in their behavior and they don't think that they will easily switch back to their pre, let's say, era behavior. So as marketers, it will take longer time and we need to have a longer path 
to really cater consumers and sometimes also to leading them back to pre-COVID pandemic and economic decline behavior. But what we see is that brands often only look at the short term, not only because they need to recoup profitability, but also they lose a little bit the eye on the fact that this is really a longer term ballgame. And we all know that if you are focusing too much on the now, that not only for your future perspective of your strategy, but also when you look at profitability, that might lead to inefficiencies. And we see a lot of data, and also again in this research, that if you are only focusing on activation now and lose track of building your categories, building your brands, building your path of growth on a more lit, mid and long-term way with branding, and longer-term advertising, that it not delivers in the end the right efficiency and the right ROI for your investments. So kind of four bigger outcomes I already mentioned during this um, elaboration. The recession will take longer, so you need to change your growth path into recouping profitability now, but also enabling and making a path for long-term growth. Brands must focus very much on value, and we will speak later about that more during this podcast as well, what value exactly means for consumers. The third point is very much about protecting your base. We will speak about that as well. How do you really protect your base with your core consumers and your core products who are very much more profitable or that are very much more profitable than incremental sales? And we will also speak in this uh, podcast about defragmentation of investment because we see that fragmentation of investment is the biggest deterrent of media and Marcom ROI. Wonderful. Well, that's a really helpful overview. And now we're going to delve a little deeper into some of the specific aspects that you've brought up. So given today's state of economic decline, what strategic advice would you have for brands and marketers that are seeking a path to profitable growth? I'm going to ask you, Belinda. Yeah, great. I mean, Dennis talked a lot about it already, but it's really critical for marketers and their agency partners to figure out a path that really first maximizes and recoups profitability right now in the short term, rather than just that short-term sales and incrementality that we're often always chasing. And oftentimes, this short-term sort of sales and incrementality may seem like a really agile decision within your marketing you know, department, but it's really mostly just like this knee-jerk reaction to what's happening. And there are ways to focus on profitability without having to compromise long-term growth. Um, and Dennis talked about why this is so important, right? It's in our research and in the thought leadership piece we conducted, just like marketers, like consumers are reactive um, under economic uncertainty, right? Their confidence is fragile and we're seeing sentiment falling faster than inflation. We're seeing confidence lower at every stage of the recession than what we experienced in 2008. And so what we're really dealing with is more of this idea of like a cost of living crisis, not just a typical recession. So this is going to impact us longer than what we may have typically experienced in past recessions and in the pandemic. And and I we believe that the biggest risk for marketers right now are really in the behaviors that are picked up and adopted by consumers that may actually last longer than you may imagine or, or want to believe. So, you know, this is not just a 12 or 18 month 
sort of ball game. And it's really crucial to define what that growth path actually looks like for each individual marketer that really focuses on creating and recouping profitability in the short term over just incremental sales that still enables long-term growth. And so it's the combination of those two things that are really important. Excellent. And in this environment, how do consumers adapt to inflation or economic decline? What behaviors have you been seeing and what effect do you think this is going to drive behavioral change in the long term? Yeah, I think building on what Belinda said is consumers are changing the behavior more longer term. So that was also the reason why we wanted to deep dive with this consumer research into what are these behaviors? So what is really changing them? And already mentioned that they are very selective. Uh, so it doesn't mean that consumers are not spending anymore, but they become very smart consumers in their, let's say, spending behavior. And obviously these are times when this smartness is more important to them. So for example, 75% of consumers out of our research said that they switched to brands that they didn't use before, but they fit better into their current spending power. But 90% who switched already thinks that they will stay in their purchase behavior over time. And when we look at CPG, uh, and Melissa Leron can give a little bit more perspective on that as well, but when we look at broader CPG, this is also very much the time for private labels or store brands, like we sometimes tend to call them in the U.S., that uh, there's an opportunity for them now, for these brands now. So in CPG, we see over the last six months that there has been a shift to those products and brands as never before. 30% in pantry items, 20% in personal care, 10% even in beauty. Yeah, and like I said, consumers are not going back that easily. So we need to think about what is then exactly driving them to those products and uh, brands. And what we see is that the biggest driver is really more tangible value. But tangible value is not only quality versus price. Tangible value is also other smart benefits, like, for example, uh, convenience, that are very important for them. Now, we see that convenience is suddenly getting in this little bit more harder times, something that consumers are le really looking for and really define also at value. Already mentioned before, something like daily indulgence. So having these little pleasures during the day, uh, and that's why categories like snacks, but also spirits or little attractions are doing very well. But even streaming services or having a description on something that you really like is not something that consumers are cutting back to. So, yeah, we see that value is important, but value is not only price quality, also other tangible benefits. So I think very much from the research, we see that tangible benefits is very something that drives their perception of value. That also means, and we as marketers are often very much focused on building some emotional connection with consumers to get more sustainable consumer relationships and loyalty out of our marketing activities, that that's going to be more difficult in the future. Because even when we look at what kind of emotional factors are most important for them, trust, but very much connected as trust in value ranks very high and by far the highest 
and let's say emotional benefits like representing their individuality or um, giving inspiration are only less than half of the value that they give to uh, trust in value. So yeah, very much consumer behavior, more into tangible benefits uh, versus building emotional connection. That's fascinating. And what I'm interested in is, Melissa, from your point of view as a kind of brand, how are you seeing consumers adapt their strategies, uh, their buying behaviors? And what do you expect this is going to have um, also in the long term, you know, with the short term shift, as um, we've discussed, do you expect some of those behaviors to stick around? Yes. So I'll uh, provide some specificity to what Dennis and Belinda have uh, broadly spoken about. But, but we are seeing consumers obviously seek more affordable solutions. And uh, this can be in the brands that they purchase, in particular, specifically within the laundry segment. We are seeing consumers shift more to mid and value tier brands away from premium brands. We are seeing consumers seek different pack sizes, either the largest sizes, which can provide the greatest value per use, or even consumers who are seeking the lowest absolute uh, price point, depending upon their budgetary constraints. In general, we're seeing basket sizes growing, and that was more related to the higher costs of fuel. They're making less trips to stores and therefore uh, doing more uh, stocking up. And we're seeing consumers shift in their retailer uh, selections as well with higher growth in what I would call discount type chains in the mass class of trade or the club class of trade. So they're definitely making choices I think Dennis used the word, they're being very selective, right, depending upon their economic situation. And as I mentioned previously, we we have seen consumer behaviors modified during economic downturns or during the COVID pandemic. And some of those behaviors actually maintained, uh, right? So we see this, quite honestly, as, as a time for our brands to either further solidify their relationships with their consumers or even, you know, get greater loyalty from the consumers that are shifting into our brand uh, propositions. And we even believe we can have a stronger relevancy story for our retailers, too, who are carrying our brands. And as Dennis said, we do believe that this is a time to demonstrate how our brands are bringing tangible benefits to our consumers in both product performance, in addition to cost, right? So that the brands are showing up and delivering against these consumers' uh, need states. So for the long run, you know, we do believe that we can grow our consumer base. We can convert our brands into favorite brands in the long run. This would result in increased loyalty for us. And because we're showing up in this time of greater need, we do believe we're driving higher brand regard. And so we're ensuring that our messaging is uh, uh, leaning into those types of propositions as well, but in a very authentic uh, way. So as consumers are making these choices and these pivots, for some of our businesses, we do believe this is an opportunity 
to spur even greater growth, which will benefit um, our businesses in the long run post-recession. Now we've established kind of some of the consumer trends that you're seeing at a kind of market level and a brand level. Let's discuss the solutions for brands if they're looking to drive profitable growth. Beyond simply, you know, uh, everyone has mentioned that consumers are looking for more value. Beyond simply just kind of cutting the cost of items, what can brands do today and in the future to drive profit growth at the Marcom level? I mean, it requires a combination of different sort of strategic techniques and tactics across both marketing and Melissa's world and our world in media. You know, from a marketing communication standpoint, um, our research revealed that we need to figure out how to protect our base, particularly when it comes to these sort of core strategic and loyal consumers that Melissa was just talking about, as well as within our own product portfolio um, and thinking about what are those like highly recognizable products and what we deem as like brand icons that people still trust uh, versus only just focusing on that new incrementality or that new innovation, right? So on average, we're seeing uh, brands and businesses, they tend to have about 75% of their sales come from their baseline, their core, uh, versus just 25% in incremental sales. And what's most surprising in some of our research was that advertising investment actually works two times harder for the baseline. But a lot of marketers actually don't even get to see that and realize that level of contribution when they're doing just normal sort of MMX short-term marketing mix models. And so, of course, there's going to be nuances to categories like Dennis was talking about. Um, and there's going to be categories that are not subject to that exact 75-25 mix. And there's going to be some brands that are still in a position of strength, having healthy baselines and strong incremental sales. But but like we said, like growth is decelerating. It's slowing. Um, and it's about finding focus in these uncertain times that is also going to help you over the long term. So, you know, you can't ignore the fact that there is a more value-focused consumer emerging that needs to be kept with this more tangible sort of idea of smart value. So, you know, any combination of whether that's convenience or the experience or even what Melissa was talking about, the product performance um, from maybe some of their brand heroes. And, you know, it's these hero products or these brand icons that, again, are, are you know, most easily recognizable for brands and really represent the, the the best values of a brand that often are not supported enough with advertising um, or even not at all. Uh, and uh, because these marketers are highly focused on new innovation and new products. And the reality is that, uh, you know, when you think about how much money marketers put behind every initiative or every new product or every um, campaign, it's often about 50% lower than optimal spend levels on any given initiative. And so if marketers actually committed to the ideal amount of resources that actually meets consumers' needs today, thinking about the full consumer experience and their expectations from brands their ROI could actually jump 50%. So success comes from this idea of more efficient growth by focusing the right resources on bigger bets, 
cutting out the distractions that require a lot of effort from marketers and their agency partners. So cutting some of the nice to haves, but also thinking about, you know, promotions in a new way, right? Um, You have to sort of rethink these inefficient activities, particularly around promotions. um, And you have to be able to rationalize them with with evidence, right? Um, That shows that you're protecting your base with with and even incrementality, sometimes incrementality is even tough with promotions, um, and because a lot of those activities cannibalize your bottom line, you're giving away your products for free essentially, um, and that's why brand advertising is so important. It's not less important during this time because you need to actually increase the value of your brand's worth in consumers' minds, where they become less price sensitive, so that they don't have to rely on promotions. Um, and get them to sort of trust you in a way that um, your brand is promising to deliver. So in these times where marketers are fighting for, you know, every other dollar that a consumer spends, like consumers are going to prefer brands that have strong equity. Uh, There may be a small dip or small growth, but the preference will always be to go for those known brands and those, you know, products that have been consistent in the past. Melissa, I'll come to you. What are the, some of the ways that you're thinking about fewer, bigger bets, as Belinda was mentioning? No, I th- I'm because nodding my head quite a bit as Belinda was speaking there. I, I really appreciated the comments on focusing on the core. And again, going back to COVID and then the supply chain challenges that many brands faced after that, that really pushed us into truly focusing on the core and identifying the products that we would have the greatest efficiencies from a manufacturing perspective and still delight though the consumer and the retailer. So that focus, not only from a supply chain perspective, then also forced us to really focus on our media mix, right? And I think it was Dennis that mentioned earlier to avoid fregmentation. So while challenging business environments, uh, we've all tried to become much more efficient in everything uh, that we're doing. And then that efficiency also allowed for greater scale. So really placing the bets that work extremely well, then it allows us to what we call fuel the runners, right? Um, there, there will be businesses and brands that are going to outperform during these uh, downturns? And how can you guarantee even greater success post the recession? And as I mentioned earlier, that's about this continuous investment, but it's the right level of investment. It's it's placing that media in the appropriate platforms with both upper and uh, lower funnel, building that equity and that stickiness. So post-recession, you're still in that consumer mindset and balancing it with lower funnel to drive the more immediate uh, purchases. I also just wanted to touch on the trust, right? Trust is even more important uh, today, and that is part of the value equation. So are you delivering the benefits that consumers are expecting? Are you showing up in a way which is conducive to today's environment, demonstrating to consumers that you understand what they're going through and you're here to support them? And again, that can play into long-term equity driving in addition to uh, elevating the brand's uh, worthiness and trust in the consumer's eyes. So, so 
that's how we're participating in the short term and the long term. And I would also just add that we're leveraging a lot of data to help drive where those investments will come. Excellent. And I'm going to come to you again, Belinda. With media investment considered a, a large top and bottom line contributor for many brands, what are some easy to implement tactics to help brands drive media ROI? Yeah, so so similar to sort of the focus that we see that's needed on a marketing communication level, um, you know, which you, Melissa, very much seem to be doing at exactly the right time at Church and Dwight, we see the same focus needed around the defragmentation of our media investment and really trying to create these longer term patterns and consistency in how the media is invested and how our advertising is actually showing up in the world, which is absolutely critical to actually help improve our ROI. And um, I know for marketers, it's a confusing time, right? Because you're on one side, you have advertising industry urging anyone to listen to spend their way out of a recession, right? Which is a naive view of the realities of a boardroom. You know, on the other hand, you have the boardroom telling their marketing departments and their media agencies to cut all spend, right? Which is a myopic, uninformed view of simply what the cost of advertising is and not just the value that it brings to your business, in particular, the core of your business. And so in our research, we've seen that when you actually start to calculate the real cost inefficiencies of your media investment reductions, the initial budget cut that you once thought you were sort of saving fade out over time. It actually reduces to about zero within three to five years when you take into account that missed opportunity for actually cutting that budget in the short term. And what hurts even more is actually winning those sales back, which we see requires actually two times higher investment or more investment to to regain over time. So um, it's hard to dig out of that when you're going through that pattern time and time again. And we know that both marketers and agencies, you know, you have to have a much like more nuanced approach to it. Right. And uh, during this research process, we realized that one of the big ROI enemies um, through our research with with gain theory shows that fragmentation is the biggest ROI enemy. So overcoming that fragmentation in even just media planning, when you think about your audiences, thinking about their channels, your placements, your formats, the moments in which you show up, in addition to just more consistent usage of your messaging and the creative you put out there um, over time is key to actually driving ROI or improving your ROI. So it's a very similar situation to marketing communications and the focus that's needed there. We need the same thing from a media standpoint. Often too many changes, too many little campaigns go into market. And our research shows that on average, about 50% of media investment in each channel is too low to actually see the maximum ROI payback. It, you you haven't invested enough to see the full impact um, over um, the long term. And so fragmentation and reduction of that fragmentation is, is critical. Yeah, and I think building on that, because when we speak about fragmentation, then we tend to think about, okay, but when we let's say, advertise a new innovation, it does a lot for the portfolio as well. But even there, we got some, let's say, better insights because we looked very much at what are the halo effects 
on the total portfolio. Eh? When we speak about it, it's so important to focus on the bigger bets. So we were interested in what is then exactly the halo effect also of innovations. Eh? Belinda spoke about innovations before. And also there we see, for example, that innovations do have a halo effect in the first year, but after the first year, let's say in the second and the third year, it diminishes very much and even to a lower extent than really your brand icons. So brand icons, they have around 15% halo uh, contribution to your overall uh, ROI. And also speaking about uh, defragmentation, obviously using master brand approaches is uh, a good one. And also we see here that Speaking about halo effect, master brands have between 20 and 30% overall halo um, effect on the ROI. So it's all about defragmentation. It's all about creating bigger, longer media patterns that resonate more with how consumers are seeing, uh, paying attention, but also perceiving uh, your investment. And I think a nice way or a nice thing on the perception is as well uh, something that we saw in the research that if you are create those longer term or more longer uh, media patterns, that also when you do that very much based on consumers' behavior. So let me explain a little bit what that could look like. That, for example, if you are a dairy product and you want to own the morning because you know the morning obviously is an important moment for dairy consumption, that you really follow the consumer on media channels, but also on platforms throughout that morning. So when you are waking up, your first, let's say, uh, video or um, TV channel consumption, but also then your commuting, also when you enter the uh, office building. So if you follow that consumer, then at some point, the consumer has even a higher perception of your media investment, of your media visibility, because consumers see you all the time. But particularly in the moment, obviously, that connects the dots in a particular media pattern and moment. And that could be even on, uh, let's say, platform. So it's all about creating those longer patterns in media and going against fragmentation, fragmentation being the biggest enemy uh, for your media ROI. Wonderful. Well, I think we can all agree that was a really insightful discussion. There's plenty of nuanced solutions to take away on how to not not just survive, but thrive during an economic downturn. That's about all we've got time for, but I'd like to say a big thank you to our speakers. Melissa Martin is Vice President of Marketing at Church and Dwight. Belinda Moon is Group Strategy Director at Wavemaker US. And Dennis Potgraven, Chief Strategy Officer at Wavemaker US. A special thank you to Wavemaker for partnering with us on this event. This has been a Campaign US podcast. Check out our portfolio and reach out if you have any ideas. We'd love to hear from you.